With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio.
Michael Jordan's Bulls against Craig Elo's Cavs, game five of the playoffs. When oh, he one of those that, big that, that had to be a treat. That had so to be a treat that, right there. Oh, yeah. The NBA TV, I taped a couple of them. I'm going to get to them when I get to them, but they also showed uh, the Cavs and Bulls in 1992 as well when the Bulls were going for their – um, I think it was their second championship of the first three peak. But uh yeah, it it just took me back, man, watching basketball and you know, back in the day in the eighties and, and just seeing the young Jordan with, with not a whole lot around him. I mean Brad Sellers was the second and third option. It was uh it was interesting <laughs> time. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Man. That man, Mike People, uh, you know, I think, you know, people sleep on how diverse Michael's game was, man, and how he always didn't have help, and he made it work. But you know, he, he, he you can't, you can't. I mean, you can't. He's the greatest, so you can't really take a whole lot away from it. You know, whatever needs to be done, it get done. He did it, man. But uh, yeah, man, yeah. I love Hardwood Classics this time of the summer, man. When NBA TV runs the Hardwood Classics, if you haven't caught them. Make sure you catch it. If you don't have NBA TV, you out of luck. <laughs> Marcus, let me ask you. Um, just, just, just off the cuff, off the dome. Could you name the the top three scores on that Bulls team? Hmm. Eighty-eight. Yeah. yeah. Eighty-eight. Eighty-eight. Ooh. Ooh. Or even if you could, like, how many players on that team could you name? Let's let's put that out there. All right, let me let me get this let me get this to go. Um, so, got Mike. Yeah. Um, Scotty was a rookie. Scotty played. Um, yeah. Let me see. Uh, was Oak in the house? Oakley. <laughs> yeah, man. Oak was on the team. Oak uh, yep, yep. near double double. He was like thirteen to nine. Yep. Um. No, wow. thirteen and thirteen actually. Wow, it was eighty eight. So I think Wolvers was gone by then. Yeah, Orlando Wolvers yeah. on the squad. He was uh, gone. Okay. He was gone. So you know you had you had awkward Brad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, awkward Brad Sellers. Um, Brad Sellers is actually a uh, he's a mayor of Warrensville Heights, which is a suburb of Cleveland right now. Just just an FYI. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, man. I'd actually like to see if you went per league, how many former players have gone on to some to hold some sort of political office office yeah. in each of the uh, major sports. It'd be something we have to look up another time. Um, ooh, ooh, ooh! Was, was Chapuk on the squad? No, no, but. But if you're talking about big, slow white guys, there was a guy that matched up very well with Bill, Bill Lambert um, that, that knocked Ooh. double figures that year. Ooh. Was it Klein? Dave Corzine. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> he had that mustache, man. He had that quintessential 80s mustache. <laughs> <laughs> Corzine, wow. Now, the second wow. one like the second leading scorer um, in terms of per game average, he only played in thirty games. But can you take a guess at who that guy was? I, 
This one threw me off. It was Dantley, right? It was Dantley, right? Nah, man. Dantley never... Well, I don't think he played with the Bulls. Oh, okay. Um, wow. Played in 30 games. Yeah, yeah. 88. Yeah. You got me. Yeah, you don't get it. I mean, this is unfair. Sam Vincent averaged 13 points per game that season. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. All right, one more trivia. One more trivia. I was right. All right, all right, all right. I'm on this team. On this team, there were three Hall of Famers on this team. Three guys that made the Hall of Fame that played on this team. Okay. Well, Mike and Mike and Scotty. Yeah, I mean the third Um, one is kind of like asking, you know, who are the three members of guy. You know, most people right. get Teddy Riley. Most people get Aaron Hall, but that last one, like, ooh, who's the third member of God? You know, I got Teddy. That's an A-plus analogy. Aaron. That's an A-plus analogy right there. That's an A-plus yeah. analogy. <laughs> no, you know, that's, I mean, that's a trick part of the question. If somebody's driving right mm. now, they're trying to figure out, oh, mm. I got two of them, Scotty and Mike, but who's the third? Right. Exactly. That's the easy part. Scotty and Mike is the easy part. Um, he just got inducted a handful of years ago. So maybe in the past five years, he just got inducted. Man, so it, it had to be a dude towards the end of his career because um, he wasn't a key part of the team. So his glory days was had to be way behind him. Man. Yeah. I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't. I'm drawing a blank, man. Another hint. He's seven foot two. I think I could more artist. Yeah, artist played twenty games. Wow. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah, he was played twenty four games. Was that his? Gave him fifteen minutes a night. Mm. Yeah, that was uh Artist Gilmore. That next year he played a few games. Um with the Celtics, and he played another season overseas in Italy, but that was towards the end of his career. And actually, his heyday with the Bulls was when he came from the ABA in 76, and he played with them through the early 80s, and he loved I was going to say, that was his second stint. I, I, was, I, was, yeah. I was about to say that. I'm looking it up now because I wanted to look it up before I said it, but I thought that was his second stint with the squad because I, yeah. I knew he was a bad man early with the Bulls, and he, and he wrecked shop early. Okay. Yeah, man, artists, man, if you look at that, there's a picture of artists when you look him up on the Internet, man. He looked like a young sheep, man, with the beard and the fro. (laughs) 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 He looked like a bad dude, man. He like a bad dude. He got on like a a cowie shell necklace or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Cassius used to roll out of the bed. I mean, they kept it real back then. (laughs) Hey, playing gold chains, all kinds of. All kinds of crazy stuff, man. Yeah, that's how it was back in the day. You know, right, you're gonna right. be safe. You need to have a chain that didn't move around a whole lot. You know, um, yeah. exactly, exactly. So you listen to the real sports guys, realsportsguys.com, RSC, Renegade Radio. We're about to give you a quick rundown of what the topics that we'll try to hit tonight. Um, we're keeping it real efficient. You know, I've been getting into NBA metrics. Um, 
and player efficiencies and efficient lineups and defensive efficiency and all this kind of stuff. So we're going to keep it real efficient, real smooth tonight. We're going to talk about PEDs, uh, me and PhD. Uh, shout out to D. Wills. He couldn't be with us tonight. Um, holding down some grown man business. But you got to do this out of time. Me and PhD got it, though. We got this covered. We're running a two-man game. We're going to get in. We, our first topic, we're going we'll to get into PEDs. And what could possibly be a sufficient deterrent? Um as far as how can you, how can how can leagues curtail PED use because you know suspending guys doesn't necessarily seem to work. Um, is there something that can be done? We're gonna explore that a little bit, and then we're gonna get into A Rod, um, his career arc, just how he's gone from kind of how he's, how his perception has evolved or devolved, however you want to put it, um, and in the end, when this is all said and done. When it's written, when it's written in stone, what are we going to say about this dude? Um, and we'll also get into some of the things that are going on now with the uh, alleged um, trying to, you know, release name, sell, or, or, you know, barter his own, his own, uh, his own justice with with name by giving up names of others. Um, the whole Dempster situation. We're going to get into all the messiness. That is surrounding this cat right now, but we want to kind of kind of take a step back and look big picture with him for a second, um, and not get so caught up in what's going on at this particular moment. Um, then we're gonna shift gears and talk a little hip hop. Um, Kendrick Lamar, West Coast Compton MC, just dropped one of the hottest verses that I've heard in hip hop in a minute. Um, called out a bunch of rappers. Uh, told him to step the game up. Not so much a, a diss, but more right. of a battle, battle verse. You know, it was a battle verse. It wasn't a diss. He wasn't talking about him. He was just saying, I'm, I'm, I'm the baddest man out. And we just want to talk about the impact of that particular verse, um, not only on hip-hop, but um, I think from... Uh, uh, I think some of that might seep into the sports culture a little bit, and I think it would be a good thing if it did. Um, then we're going to give you our NFC North breakdown We'll continue to break down the divisions in the NFL uh, We're going to break down the NFC North this week Next week We have the fantasy football The Kezu Guru coming in Fantasy football expert Eric Hamilton That's make right sure, Make sure you get that podcast on deck If you don't listen live Make sure you download the podcast If you do that The cipher is back dot com. The cipher yes. is back the fantasy football cipher is back in full effect. It's football season. It's getting going. We're about to head into week three of the uh, preseason, which you know means that the starters are going to be going deep into the games. We're going to get as close as we can to real NFL action. So we're going to get real excited about that. So with no, with no more further ado, uh, let's go ahead and get into this uh, PhD. I'm going to get it going right, though. Fellas, the one thing we need to say, shall we say it, y'all? Melvin, Jimmy, Coleman, Ryan, say it. Everybody want to get funky one more time. All right, this edition of the Funky Editorial, uh, we're going to talk about PED. And what, if anything, would be a sufficient deterrent for PED use 
in all major sports, not just baseball, not just football, basketball, but when you talk about track and field, when you talk about uh, cycling, there are sports where PED use is just a part of the culture. And, you know, you can have the debate about how you feel. You know, different people have different perspectives upon about how they feel about PEDs. Um, you know, for me, it cheapens, it cheapens what I'm watching. Um, it kind of adds a, a, a insincere. Uh, it, it just violates my senses for me. That's a personal thing. You may feel about it however you feel about it, but for me, it's more entertainment, and the entertainment isn't derived from simply watching a dude hit a ball 600 feet. That's not entertaining to me. What's entertaining is the competition um, and the strategy that goes behind that and, you know, the human element of of pushing your physical um, abilities to their limits and and doing that in the context of a team or in the context and the framework of an individual sport. That's what I enjoy about sports, not so much the physical feats themselves, but everything that allows those feats to happen um, and everything that must be in place for that to happen. So I pose this question, P, uh, PhD. Right now in baseball, first offense, 50 games, second, second offense, 100 games. Um, football, you get four. The first time you get knocked. And then after that, I think it goes to like eight or whatever. Basketball. I mean, you get like five to ten games suspension, depending upon what it is. Um, what what could be done? We know it's not stopping cats because we have another round of of revelations around guys using PEDs. So it's not it's not preventing cats from doing it. Um, it's not stopping cats from doing it. What would, in your mind, stop guys from using PEDs? If there is a void con a void clause, a steroid clause in their contract where teams can get out of the contract if they want. Their contract will be voided if they are popped for using PEDs. That right there, that right there would cut it out tremendously. I mean, I think, I, I'm not sure there's anything that will get rid of it completely, but if you want to make it a non-relevant issue, do that. I do think that baseball is, has has taken the stuff in the right direction. They're paying attention to it. They have stiff penalties. One could argue that they need to be stiffer, but I do believe that the like the PED usage has decreased since what we were seeing in the '90s and you know earlier last decade. But it's still obviously an issue. And I tell you what, if you want to cut it out. You start hitting cats where it matters in terms of their financial security. Because right now, guys can, you know, hey, hey, it's a, it's a cost-benefit analysis. You look at the cost versus the, the possible benefits. And if you say, hey, if I take these PDs, I get more money in my contract because I'm playing better, and if I happen to do get popped, then I can make some serious adjustments. Well... If you put it in there now that they get, like, after the first time, their contract can be voided, guess what? This whole thing with the Yankees and A-Rod, I mean, it would be really anticlimactic. I mean, it would not be the soap opera that's going on right now. The Yankees could clearly just 
void the contract. If you want to bring in a third-party arbitrator, do that. But at the end of the day, if a cat's got a positive drug, you know, screening, he's done in terms of that contract. Yeah, and I, I, I definitely am riding with you on that particular perspective. That's what, that was my answer was that. You know, either you're talking about voiding cash contract or just bans from, like, you can't participate for a year or two years, where you actually, because, again, with with sports, man, it's finite. Like, your athletic ability is finite, and your ability to compete at that level is finite. And if you rob a cat of two years, look at what happened to Plexico Burris. You know, doing that two-year bid at the wrong time in his career, you know, that that basically was the death knell of his his football career. You know, you caught him at the at the tail end of, at the beginning of the end of his prime, and you robbed him of those two years, and then he comes back and he's just not what he could have. Been. He's just not what he was. Um, so I think that's that's a big big piece of it. Now the other the, the flip side of that is that you know you have these teams. You, you know, you you got a team with a bad contract. <laughs> All of a sudden, <laughs> comes up with a bad P test, and there's a problem. <laughs> Feel me? And now, like, we got that deal voided. So I agree. I agree. What do you think – why do you think PED seems – why do you think the perception exists that PEDs is so prevalent in baseball? It's a good question. You know, I I think that baseball is is a sport that purity – Purity was huge. This, this this idea of tradition and purity, I believe, I mean, this construct, it reigned huge in baseball compared to other sports. And so when you look at something and it shifts the balance of fairness, all of a sudden cats have unfair advantages. Um this whole steroid thing, the PED thing, it shaped, it shaped where baseball hung their hat at. You know, Papa was a rolling stone. Wherever he laid his hat was his home. Well, where baseball laid their hat had a lot to do with this purity, this this fair competition. And, I mean, it was this idea out there. And steroids just... It just came out of left field to the greater, you know, to the baseball audience. Now, a lot of insiders knew what was going on. It seems like management knew what was going on. A lot of writers and people who covered the game knew what was going on. But until my man Kinseiko came out, um, you know, then the guys in San Francisco, uh, you know, with the whole Belco, I mean, this this is what blew it up wide open, man. And and so because of that, now all of a sudden we have to rethink, is baseball really America's game? You know, I mean, we're going to talk about A-Rod a little bit. When you took a look at his numbers, man, it looked a lot like uh, Willie Mays' numbers. A guy who was was just held in the highest regard. You know, I mean, if you have a Mount Rushmore of baseball pre-1990s and even now, Willie Mays is probably on that Mount you know, on that Mount Rushmore of baseball. And so now all of a sudden you got a guy like A-Rod in Bonds who statistically should be up there now, but all of a sudden we're looking at it differently. So uh, that's my take on it. Okay. 
Okay. And, you know, I kind of got into this a little bit last week. But I think, again, it's the guys who are, who are getting knocked. You know what I mean? And when you have guys who are at the top of your game, it brings your whole product into question as yeah. to the, again, the integrity of what you're showing. Um, again, I think if in other sports, if it were just middle relievers and guys who were just trying to hang on to a career who were getting knocked, I think people wouldn't view it as much of an issue. Um, if a LeBron, uh, Brett Favre, not a Brett Favre, uh, Aaron Rodgers, a Peyton Manning, these cats get caught, then I think the perception changes in other sports. It's the same thing with track and field. Every time a guy breaks a record, a year or two later, that cat is now, you know, under suspended from competition because he used PDs. So then it brings everybody who is doing what that guy was doing in question. You know, unfortunately for guys like Chris Davis, who was having an amazing year, but at the same time, when you're looking at it from afar, it's like, man, I've seen this story before. Cat comes out of yeah. nowhere, hitting 50 plus home runs. Okay, you know, is he clean? Is he not clean? Miguel Cabrera, amazing, amazing yeah. player. Is he clean? Is he not clean? You know what I mean? I think the thing that you've seen with some guys, though, and shout out to Ken Griffey, uh, Ken Griffey Jr., just got inducted into the Seattle Mariners Hall of Fame. Um, he should be in the Hall of Fame soon enough. This is a guy who just naturally broke down. You know, and I think that's the one thing that you saw with guys who weren't on P who who were on PDs, is that they were able to do unbelievable things into their late thirties, early forties. Whereas you see guys like Albert Pujols, uh, you know, Brad Guerrero, guys who just Manny Ramirez, even though he did use once he started, once it looked like he started using, his game wasn't what it was. Yeah. And that's kind of the natural decline of your athletic ability. You start to hit 34, 35, you're not going to be able to produce that as you did when you were 27, 28, 29. That's just kind of how it goes. And so, you know, we'll see how guys age, and I think that will give you more insight into a lot of these guys who may or may not have been using. Um, yeah. You know, with the A-Rod situation, you shared some great points last week when we talked about this uh, around how baseball has kind of backed itself into a corner with A-Rod. Um, and as far as the, the, the process of it, you know, I think I think A-Rod has a higher ground. Um, but as far as some of the other things that have come out, it's just like, yo, What's up with this dude? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, where's where's this where's this guy's head at? I mean, you have the allegations from his lawyers saying that the Yankees had a doctor purposely botch a surgery, which uh-huh. again, any doctor that does that, you know, he needs his his, his uh I don't know if they have doctor's licenses or whatever. <laughs> he needs to not be able to practice anymore. Um to, you know, the allegations uh, that he gave up names of other players, including a teammate on Ryan Braun being one of those players, in order to reduce his, his own suspension. Uh, 
all of these different allegations out there. What do you, what do you, as somebody who has some sort of a connection with A. Rod being a Yankee fan, feel about all this other information that has come out? And really, since the last time we were on air, because last week we didn't, we hadn't heard about all of this stuff. Now all of this stuff is kind of coming to the forefront a little bit more. Um, and again, right now it's all allegations for the most part. Um, nothing has been yeah. uh, confirmed or proven. But how how are you kind of digesting all of this? I'm kind of fed up with it. Well, I mean, there's no kind of to it. I'm very fed up with it. It's almost like I'm jaded. Nothing really surprises me. I mean, even, even if it comes out that A-Rod is cleared and he doesn't get any games, I'm not really surprised after the whole Ryan Braun thing last year or the year before when he got cleared. So I just I feel like it's one of those things where everybody's trying to cover your butt. I mean, we've all been in work situations where it's not even important at some point for people to say who was right or wrong. It's all about trying to cover and have a perception out there that, well, I tried my best or we did what we could. And, you know, it, at this point it just seems like a lot of politicking with what's going on mm-hmm. with A-Rod, mm-hmm. with the Yankees, with baseball. Ah, you know, yeah, yeah, I'm just yeah. sick of it, man. I'm, honestly, I'm waiting for football to start. And I grew up <laughs> with baseball. You know, I, mean, I could rip off from, from 84 when the Tigers won the World Series Probably tell no, I could rip off with probably, you know, a ninety percent accuracy every year who played in the World Series. Not who won, but who played. I could probably do that off the top of my head. That's how much I love baseball. But at this point I'm not even looking forward to the playoffs. I'm not. I'm I'm counting down to the days that baseball starts. I mean football starts. And then after that basketball starts again. So I'm just you know, a lot of people when the strike happened in the mid-90s, I think it was 94 or 93, when the baseball strike strike happened, a lot of people just was kind of fed up with baseball, and they just needed to take some time away, you know, kind of distance themselves, and all of a sudden the big home run surge happened with, with, with McGuire and Sosa, you know, in the summer of 98. And all of a sudden people came flocking back. And then we know why they were hitting the home run. So, you know, it's kind of a love-hate thing, man, with with baseball at this point. But it's almost worse than being loved or hate. It's just kind of being, eh, whatever, you know. And that's where I'm at with it. And, and I, I, I feel for you because, you know, that's one of your core kind of go-to sports. You know what I mean? Yeah. For me, it, it, it's, it's the NFL and the NBA and everything else. You know, everything else kind of gets lumped in. If there's some interesting story going on, I'll check it out. If there's some athlete that I that's just tearing it up, I'll watch. But those two things will always, at this always have held top priority with me. Um, and, again, if one of those, if the NBA, for example, is in a situation where, you know, the best players in the league, and I think that's, that's, that's what baseball fans have to realize is that people aren't necessarily picking out baseball. Um, it is just about who is getting knocked. It's who's getting caught. And if the best guys in your league are getting caught, it's hard to ignore that. And if that was my, I feel for you as a sports fan, bro. Because if that was, if that was the NBA, I would, I would be, I would be just like you are. Where I would be, 
you know, fed up to a point where it's just like, you know what, man, I can't even invest emotionally in it. I can't even emotionally get invested enough to to dislike what's going on. You know, it's yeah. just, it, it is what it is, and I'm, I'm just out. You know, and, and that's the worst place to be if you're a business or a brand is with just people just don't have any sort of emotion towards you. You know, if you're Notre Dame and the Yankees and the Lakers and the Cowboys, you get just as used to people loving you as you get used to people hating you. Now the Heat, you know, I think the Heat get into that category where you either are in or you're way out. And there are a few, there's very little, there's very little room for nuance in between there. You know, folks are either, I'm a Heat fan, I'm, I'm riding with them, or people are, I can't stand the Heat, I don't like nothing they do, and I, I don't care what it is they do, I don't like it, you know. And there are teams like that. For me, Notre Dame, you know, Duke, Duke basketball, I just can't ride with it. <laughs> Cannot do it. Can't do it. Can't do it. You know what I mean? There are certain situations, you know, with, with Notre Dame, it goes back to the Ty Willingham firing. You know what I mean? Ever since that, nah, I can't, can, can't do it. I don't care if they're good. Cannot bad, play with them. Cannot win with them. Cannot coach with them. Can't do it. There you go. That's how I feel about that. I just cannot, I can't ride with Notre Dame on nothing. Um, you know, do basketball. You know, Leitner, Hurley, them dudes ruined it for me, man. I, ever since them cats, man, I ain't been able to, I just can't, even when they had, even when they had guys like McGetty, and Elton Brand, you know, Cassie had some 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 streetness to him, some some hard edge to him. I just couldn't, I just couldn't get over it, man. Yeah, I fell in love with Duke. Johnny Dawkins. I was a big Johnny Dawkins fan when they lost to Louisville in the championship uh, with 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 Purvis never nervous Ellison. Uh, I was a big Johnny Dawkins fan. You still couldn't get into him back then? Nah, man. Nah. Nah, and Dawkins was Dawkins was all right. But at that point, I was just kind of, eh, you know, let's do That guy's all right. Then when Leitner and them came along, man, it was just like, oh, gosh, these two make my stomach hurt. <laughs> well, well, see, so a lot of people out there, look, listen, know I grew up in Michigan. And, you know, Fab Five – if Fab Five put a Band-Aid on one of their faces, in junior high basketball, we were all trying to do that the next game. You know, Black yeah, Sox, yeah. you know, we out there. Now, we don't have the Nike Black Sox. We got church socks Oh, Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you fold it underneath and it wouldn't be so long. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You know, just, just all kind of blisters with uh, polyester socks on. We're going to make it happen, okay? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I... I love the Fab Five, but I did not detest Duke. So when the Fab Five kind of had their coming out party their freshman year and and Duke beat them in a close one overtime game at Chrysler Arena, I was I was a little bit, you know, I didn't know who I wanted to win. And now in the championship game that later on that season, it was clear to me that I wanted Michigan to win. It was clear, but Duke was still probably my second favorite team at that time, man. And and I'm coming out and I'm saying that publicly. Okay, on record, on record. I can yeah. respect the fact that you came out on record. Um, yeah. I just, I yeah, man. For me, just Duke, you know, it just was something that I could never get into, man. It just, but again, we that's that's a huge tangent from what we were talking about. Um, 
you know, we were talking about the Major League Baseball and, and how, you know, once fans get to that point where they're just kind of not really into it, not even into it enough to hate it, um, not even into it enough to get mad, you know, that's when you know the relationship is done, you know, mm-hmm. and, and when you get to that point. And it, that's unfortunate for for you because I know that's, that's again, that's one of your, that's one of your main courses, you know, that's the main course for sports, you know, and seasonally the main course shifts as we move through the different seasons. You know, in the fall the main course is football and you got college football and, you know, baseball playoffs and other things around that that are happening that are your kind of side dishes, you know, that you that you partake in while that main course is, is in front of you. You know, and when when something when one of your main courses it ain't tasting like it used to, man, man, that makes it tough. Cause especially during right. the summer, man, there's not a whole lot else going on. You know, you kind of gritting your teeth through July, waiting on training camps to start, and then in August the preseason kind of gets going, and you start to get a little bit of taste of some of the action. Uh, but it's still not the real deal. Um, you need something else to keep you going. You know, and, and that's when baseball should be heating up. So, A Rod, let's really let's really get into this. Um, from a careers perspective, we're both big picture type dudes. Uh, take a step back, look at the whole thing. You know, not get so caught up into what's happening right now. But when you talk about this guy's career arc, coming in as an 18 year old with the Seattle Mariners, and really coming onto that team with Edgar Martinez, uh, King Griffey Jr. Just Randy Johnson was on those squads. They had some really strong teams back then in Seattle, uh, and he was a part of that. Um, he came in as a phenom, a great talent, and he was one of those guys who had the billing and came in and made good on all of the predictions that people were making about what he could be. Um, got the huge deal when he went to Texas. Uh, won MVPs out there, even though they weren't winning. He was producing. He was producing at a high level. Got out of that deal in Texas, comes to the Yankees. And, you know, things got a little shaky under the New York lights. He still produced. Um, but then the question was, will he produce in the playoffs? And we all know if you're a Yankee, if you're going to be considered a Yankee great, you've got to produce in the playoffs. You've got to produce in September and October. Um, and he struggled a little bit, but he got it done still. They still got the job done eventually, and he brought a championship along with his teammates to New York. Um, then you have the PED allegations come out, and then he admits to using the PEDs when he was a kid, you know, 27, 28 years old. <laughs> I wish I could get a guy away with calling myself a kid at that point. <laughs> right. <laughs> You know, um, and now we're at this point where we have a second set of allegations um, being charged against him of PED use. So you have a guy come in as a phenom, live up to his potential. He signs the biggest contract in sports history at the time and continues to, to actually make good statistically on the contract. It doesn't equate to wins and losses, but statistically on the field, his production is matching what, what needs to be happening for a guy with that level of with that uh, level of compensation. And then he goes to one of the most 
if not the most, one of the most storied franchises in all of sports in the New York Yankees and delivered the world championship. Um, and then the PED allegations starts rolling. So when it's all said and done, how are we going to remember? That's the question. How are we going to remember Alex Rodriguez? I've been waiting to answer this question for for the past seven days um, since we got off the air last week. And <laughs> the the first thing I want to do is go over A-Rod's numbers and Willie Mays' numbers. I'll go A-Rod and Mays. A-Rod, career batting average, 300. Mays, 302. Home runs, A-Rod, 649. Mays, 660. RBIs, A-Rod, 1,956. Mays, 1,903. Stolen bases, A-Rod, 319. Mays, 338. Hits, A-Rod, 29-16, Mays, 32-83. So there is no player on the offensive end that matches up to A-Rod better than Willie Mays. And you ask the question, how will we remember Alex Rodriguez historically as far as a baseball player? Alex Rodriguez will be lumped in together with the greats such as Barry Bonds, Mark Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, guys who, if it was not for steroids, they would be clear-cut, first-ballot Hall of Famers. They would be exemplars of what the Hall of Fame is all about. And unfortunately, because of all this stuff, A-Rod, you know, he'll never make the Hall of Fame unless at some point the Hall of Fame decides to let all cheaters in. You know, the day that Barry Bonds gets in is going to be the same day or a few years after whenever he's, you know, he qualifies is when A-Rod will get in. And a lot of people think that day will never happen. So I think we'll remember A-Rod. What, what, what do you think about that? What do you? What's your take on that? Sorry to I kind think of pull you off that a little bit. I think that they should all be in the Hall of Fame because we don't know who was cheating, who was not. You know, we go by this eye test. Well, A-Rod, you know, I don't think people would have ever guessed that A-Rod took performance-enhancing drugs until he got caught. You know, he didn't fit the quote-unquote stereotypical look of what a quote-unquote steroid user uh, looks like. Now, I think it's ignorant. I mean, just like saying that you can spot a homosexual by the way they look. In 2013, we know that it's ignorant, okay? Same thing with somebody who's taking PEDs in sports. It's ignorant to say that you can have an eye test and figure that out. So in my opinion, I think that everybody, you know, if, like, we should go by what they did on the field because you can make the argument that perhaps people that played, you know, in the first half of the 20th century shouldn't be in it because they didn't compete against the best players. They didn't compete against, you know, the best potential opponents because, you know, Latinos and African Americans weren't allowed to play. You know, there's so many different things we can line up and say why people should not be in the Hall of Fame and not and should be in the Hall of Fame. And 
at this point, we don't know whose numbers are real and whose numbers aren't. I think it's way too subjective. And so in my opinion, you know, Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame. Um, I'm, I'm still holding out that he didn't cheat, but, okay, the rational field would say, yes, he cheated, but I still feel like he's in the Hall of Fame. A-Rock is in the Hall of Fame. I think it's based on their numbers, and I'm sorry for the purists who say the Hall of Fame is just there for people who didn't cheat. Man, the Hall of Fame is not about who's the best guy, ethics. <laughs> A lot of these cats took greenies, man, in the 70s and 60s. And those yeah, yeah. as performance-enhancing drugs. They can be. Right. I mean, you know, it helped them rebound. You know, in the dog days mm-hmm. of summer, they felt better. Mm-hmm. And so how is right. that different than Barry Bonds allegedly using the clear and the cream, you know, to get over injuries right. fast? So, I, I mean, man, we can go round and round, and somebody can make the argument that, you know, these guys cheat and they got caught. I also think that's a strong argument. I do. Um, but you asked me, and that's how I feel. Okay. And, and, and that's 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 what I was going to play devil, devil's advocate for a moment, because I, 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 I don't know where I fall in on this particular debate. Again, I'm not a baseball guy, so the Hall of Fame ha- has no – the Baseball Hall of Fame has no – I have no particular emotional investment in who gets in and who doesn't get in and, and what it represents or anything like that, because I'm not a baseball guy. Generally speaking, though, I think this is where baseball, like you you pointed out some great points, baseball backs itself into a corner. If you're not going to let these dudes in, well, then you have to look at your whole history of competition. And, and it hasn't always been level. It hasn't always been inclusive. It hasn't always been clean. So, you know, baseball itself is such a quirky sport. I mean, like, really, how can you compare numbers of guys who have hit, you know, what? You're talking about home run numbers, and every park is different. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, it's it's a subjective thing to begin with. You know, a home run in Fenway to center field might not be a home run in another park. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it's like, what? I mean, you have this very again, there's this very there's this charming element to that. But then at the same time, when you start to compare numbers, you you, you really are comparing apples and oranges. Because if a guy spends his career in a hitter's park, then his numbers are going to look different <laughs> than a guy who's in a pitcher's park for his entire career. Right. You know? And, and, and so, and the pitchers who pitch in that park, they're going to have a different set of numbers than the dudes who pitch in another park. You know? The, the Rockies, for example. You pitching with the Rockies for 10, 15 years, you know your pitcher statistics are going to look way different than a guy who pitches at, at a, at a, at a, at a pitcher friendly park, you know, at at uh, at Safeco or, or someplace like that. You know what I mean? Where guys are hitting a lot of home runs. So, you know, it, it's just a, it's it's a weird. It's for me, it's a weird thing that they're trying to keep these cats out. I get it, but in the same sense, if you go, you know, people talk about this with an asterisk. Well, if you put an asterisk by it, then you got to put an asterisk by everything. What you gonna keep them out? Then you really got to open up the history books and really review and really go through some of the dirty laundry of the sport. And right. who's up for that? You know, who's really up for that? And if you're not up for that, then, you know, you need to put these guys in because can you tell, again, if your Hall of Fame is supposed to be, you know, the history of your sport, 
you know, a, a documentation of the greatness that has existed throughout your sport, then how can you do that? How can you tell that story if you don't have these guys included? You know, that for me, that that's the piece I think that people are overlooking and not really acknowledging is that, you know, you can't tell the story of the post-strike era of baseball, the post-94 strike era of baseball, without having these guys be a part of the story. You just can't. You know, if you're not talking about Sosa, Bonds, you know, it's a whole arc of baseball history that's going to get left out, yeah. you know. So I, I feel you. When we bring it back to A-Rod, you know, this is the unfortunate thing about this whole era is that, again, you have some of your best players who are operating under this cloud of suspicion where people can't, you know, Bonds didn't really get a farewell tour. McGuire didn't really get a farewell tour. Neither did Sosa. You know, these guys were kind of just pushed out the game, you know, in a way that a guy like Kobe Bryant won't be. You know, right. in, a guy, in a way a guy like Tom Brady won't be when his time is up. People are going to, you know, every stadium they go to, they're going to get, a standing, they're going to get standing ovations and, and get to do that victory lap where, and that's, and that's where, you know, the eight, nine-year-old, those things get, that's at that game, it gets stuck in their head and it gears them to the game. And baseball is being robbed of those opportunities because it's like they can't talk about these guys. They can't promote these guys. They can't celebrate these guys. You know, a couple of years ago when Bonds was finishing up, everybody was telling A-Rod, well, it doesn't matter if Bonds is home run king, A-Rod's going to smash his record anyway. You know what I mean? Yep. That, was, that, was, that was a common perception was that, oh, well, Bonds will hold it for a little bit. A-Rod, who's clean, is going to smash his records, and then we can talk about A-Rod, and we can celebrate A-Rod, and then we can have that guy again. And that didn't quite work out. So it's it's unfortunate. It really is. Um, and, you know, I think baseball, the players themselves are really seem to be kind of fed up. And, you know, you talked about voiding contracts, man. To me, that seems like, to me, I really honestly view that as the only way. You know, a guy needs to lose his livelihood. <laughs> you know, not paying bills are really <laughs> – not being able to pay your bills are really, really make you question some decisions. You know what I mean? You know, and when you know you, you're going to have your – I mean, look at the NFL guys. You know, yeah, these dudes, you know, they get into trouble and this, that, and the other. But, you know, cats could break their leg and they try to play next week. Why? Because they know – they know that contract has been on toilet paper. You know, they know there's, there's a culture of you got to get back out there or you could be gone at any minute. And yeah. baseball has to has to kind of reshape its culture as a whole as a whole entity around PED use. And if you get caught with this, you're done. You know, your contract is void. You know what I mean? Or you're banned. You know, like like the NBA did in the in the 80s with Coke. Once cats, after Lim Bias passed, cats was getting coke suspensions. They was gone forever. <laughs> Ask Roy Tarpley. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they were kicking cats out of the league for using cocaine. You know, that cocaine doesn't help you play basketball at all. <laughs> it gives you no on-court advantage at all. But it was something that they didn't want a part of the game. You know, they, they didn't want guys using it. They didn't want it a part of the culture. You know, after Lynn Bias died, it really shook up the league and got everybody scared. And so then they just started sending cats home. 
Like, we don't have it. And that's what baseball has to do. Now, you made some great points in comparison to Willie Mays. A-Rod's numbers are astounding. Again, this dude tore up the league for a long time. And, and as I pointed out, for a while, he was being touted as the next home run king. Um, but, you know, and that was, that was, what, six, seven years ago, around the time Bonds retired. In that span, the perception of A-Rod has drastically changed. Would you say right now, and this is just off the top of your head, would you say right now A-Rod is his percent? If, if, if we had to take an immediate Q rating on A-Rod, uh, would his Q rating be below LeBron's post decision? Oh, um, I think it'll be close. <laughs> I think it'll be close. That says a lot. Yeah, it does. I, I think he'll be in the same neighborhood of where Tiger Woods was after the golf club. Uh, and Noah's <laughs> golf club we talked about. <laughs> I think LeBron's immediate post decision. You know, I think A Rod's right there. It's. A-Rod is so unique in so many different ways, man. I'm a Yankee fan, and, you know, Brett Gardner, the starting center fielder, I don't know if he's playing center or left field, wherever he's playing, the starting uh, uh, leadoff hitter for the Yankees. He uh, he was quoted saying earlier that, hey, A-Rod's my guy. You know, he's in our locker room. I support him. Um, now, if he wasn't on my team, I don't know how I'd feel about him. <laughs> but he is on my team. I was going to say, as a teammate, that's what you need to say. You know, As a teammate, that's what you need to say. Is that Look, man, this dude's doing that with me every day. It don't matter how I feel about him, we got to work together, so i got to have his back. Right. But, but Gardner threw in the piece that, hey, you know, now – I don't know how I'd feel if he wasn't on my team. Now, Gardner was caught in saying that, but he said all the right mm-hmm. things other than that. And that's kind of how I am with A-Rod. I mean, he's come back. He's uh, he, you know, he's hitting over 300. The Yanks have, have, you know, have won, I think they won six out of eight since he's been back, at least in the lineup. And, you know, it's still a long shot for them to make the playoffs. But, <laughs> man, we are a forgiving society, even for guys that we detest. Like Barry Bonds, um, you know, cocky guys. Like, right, like right. Alex, Alex, Alex just seems so. I mean, his authenticity gene just never developed. It's yeah, just no sincerity. No sincerity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I tell you what, I tell you what, if he gives another couple of MVP seasons like he did during his stand with the Yankees, they win a championship. Most of that will be forgotten from Yankee fans, um, from a lot of baseball fans, and from the general public. We like winners. We like, like we like a rebound story. So mm-hmm. the best thing that a lot do is just shut up and play, do his thing, let this thing run its course, take your fifty game, you know, redu- like reduce suspension or sixty one, whatever it is, because baseball is not going to get away, Marcus. With just just giving this cat 211 games because they don't like him. I mean, you just yeah, can't. yeah, you I, can't I just, do that. It just yeah, we, we, yeah, I just you just set yourself up for arbitration case. You know, I mean, give this cat 100 games, and you know, you can't suspend him. You know, well, you admitted to using it once, so we're gonna treat you.
you the second time, uh, offender. No, you can't. I never got caught. Right. Okay. Right. I never. I failed AM test. <laughs> show me the failed test. That's all you gotta do. Is get on the stand and show me a failed test. Show me a failed test. <laughs> y'all ain't got no failed test. Y'all ain't got no charge. Well, I mean, Dude, what is this minority report? <laughs> right. He did fail a test, but it wasn't during. You know the uh, the post collective bargaining um, time uh, agreement time frame. So you know, which whenever that took place, you know, last three or four years, you know, I mean, you can't suspend the cap for something that happened ten years ago when it was outside of you know the allowable time frame. So I mean, baseball, man, they just they decide their grandstanding, man. No, oh, absolutely, absolutely. I'm a, I'm a little hot underneath the collar, Mark. So uh, there with <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna switch gears. We're gonna switch gears there. Uh, you listen to the Real Sports Guys, RealSportsGuys.com, RNC Renegade Radio. We're about to talk a little hip hop for a minute. You know, we hip hop heads around here. We really get into the culture, into the music. We really dig it. Uh, there's been a, a, a seismic shift in hip hop this last week. Um, Kendrick Lamar. Compton rapper, uh, one of the up-and-coming top talents in hip-hop, released, or didn't release, but was featured on another artist's track from that, that, that particular artist's upcoming album, Big Sean, his album Hall of Fame. Big Sean represents Detroit, uh, represents D, coming out of Detroit. He's a rapper. I, I can mess with Big Sean from time to time. Sometimes he, he doesn't think I am. Uh, he makes music I don't really like, but sometimes he hits me in the, in the right spot, and I dig it. This particular track, um, I, I liken it to a game, one of those 80s NBA games where, you know, it's 155 points put up on the board. It's a great song, great track, just rapidly rap, just hip-hop. Just cast no hook, no 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 fancy. This is the same for the radio. It's just straight hip-hop, piano sample in the background, some drums, some stuff going on. It's just cats getting to get some stuff off their chest. Uh, so this is a 155-point game, uh, 80s NBA, in my opinion. The thing about it is Big Sean's verse, excellent verse, really good verse, probably one of the best verses I've heard from that cat. Uh, Jay Electronica, another really great rapper on the song as well, featured on the song as well. He had a really excellent verse. Those are probably two 30-point verses. Then you had the cat in the middle drop a 55-point game. <laughs> you know, so your 30-point verse totally gets overshadowed because the cat just dropped a double nickel. <laughs> and that's Kendrick yeah. Lamar's verse. Now, in his – now, just, you know, people get caught up on the fact that is it a diss, is it a battle, what, 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 is he dissing these cats? Well, he's not really dissing them, so why are people so hyped up? It's not even about the fact that it's not, it's not a diss. It's not a diss verse. He's not dissing anyone. All right, if you haven't heard it, it's Big Sean Control. Look it up, listen to it, you know what we're talking about. First off, let me say, Kendrick Lamar's verse is, is spit ferociously. I mean, ferociously. I mean, Tupac hit him up, ferocity. All right, Cat brought it. Uh, lyrically, on point. The dexterity at which he, he, he jumps from word to word, unbelievable. All right, those are the technical things. Technically, it's an A-plus verse. Now, when you get into the content, all right, we get into the impact. That's what this is about. This is art plus impact. That's hip hop. Art plus impact. All right, it's call and response. That's 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 the key to the culture. It's call and response. You can make you can't make verses in a vacuum and nobody ever 
get it, you never get a response from people. You got to get a response from the crowd, and he got a response. He named names on the record. He called out a bunch of his contemporaries, guys who he's done songs with. He called out the two dudes he's on this song with <laughs> and said, I'm trying to kill all you guys. Step the game up. Bring it. This is hip-hop. It's supposed to be competitive, and you need to come with it or get out, get out of the way because I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm about to, I'm about like to shut it down. Howard, that was kind of like a Dwight Howard and Van Gundy thing, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Oh, you coming at me? Oh, man, come on. Man. I mean, I'm, I'm hyping you. I'm your hype man. You right. Me? right. 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 <laughs> I mean, yeah. So it was it was one of those situations, man, where it's just kind of like, hey, I thought we was on the song. I thought we was going to be exempt at least. I mean, dad, we on the song too. Nah, he, right. he included everybody. Now, this has impacted the hip-hop world in a major way. You got cats running to the studio. Cats we didn't even name. You know, you got cats like Cassidy. Who I had, I didn't even know he was still alive. He he put out a track. <laughs> Catch with he, he didn't even name. He he didn't name you, and you put out a song. You you, you whack. <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't get involved. He he's not talking to you. He named names for a reason. It wasn't a general call shout out. <laughs> he specifically named the cat that you know. It's like if you don't get an invite to the party, don't show up. You know. So cats cats all across the board. New York cats. That's another thing that he really did that was a bit incendiary, is that he claimed to be King of Compton, L.A., which is where he's from, but he also claimed to be King of New York, which we know there was a time in the mid-'90s where if you did that as an L.A. cat, you know, bullets coming at you. <laughs> that wasn't okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so a bunch of New York rappers, B-level, C-level New York rappers dropped some stuff, Cats came out. You got cats coming out of woodworks trying to get a piece of it. But that's what the impact of this verse was. The single verse reignited the competitive aspect of being an MC, which, you know, for cats like us who has been deep in hip-hop for a long time, we know that guys been missing since the, the East Coast, West Coast beef rivalry debacle that was hip-hop in the 90s, you know, and people have played nice and buddy-buddy for quite some time. Um, and this verse kind of said, we can be cool, but from the art perspective, we got to go after each other. You yeah. know, like, I got love for y'all, but when it comes to this art and to what I'm putting down, I'm trying to kill y'all. I'm trying to I'm trying to destroy all y'all. I'm trying to make something nobody ever wants to buy your records again. And that, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> That's the way. That's the way it should exist. That's the way the the tension in hip hop should exist. Not this whole shoot 'em up. I'm on, you know, come over there and kill you. This, that, and the other. That's not. That's not real. That's not productive. That doesn't impact the art in a positive way. So, hats off for Kendrick Lamar for sparking that. Now you listen to the verse. What how, how how did it hit you when you heard it? Because I bugged out, and like I said, I said it on Facebook. I haven't tripped on a verse in probably a decade plus. And, you know, I haven't, I haven't, and I, and I started to think, I started to think about what verse, and I'm gonna I'll share that with y'all later. I want I want PhD to weigh in and give me his opinion, and then I'll share what verse, the last verse before this one that just had me bugging. Go ahead. I wasn't moved. I wasn't moved. Um, 
I I listened to it uh, whenever it came out when you texted me and told me and Divine got to listen to it. I I ran to my computer or my iPhone. I you know, I ran. Okay, I sprinted to listen to it. And I got some chuckles, you know, he said he wasn't coachable even if Phil Jackson came back. You know, I mean, he had some nice catchy lines. I think it was strong. Um, and maybe maybe if I heard it without all the hype, I would have bugged out. But so so when I start thinking about this songs or, or just something different, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, when Jay-Z said, I'm about a dollar. What is fifty cents? You know, when I, you know, when I think about Nas, uh, Nas with Ether, and you know Jay Z's comeback. I, you know, I, I just like when I start thinking about battle rapping, that's what I'm thinking about. And I do dig your point that they talking about something a little bit different than you know I had sex with your wife and not in those words. Um, that was a joke, man. Come on now, Tupac. Come on, man. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. Okay. I'm with you. I'm uh, with you. I'm, I'm, I'm you know with I mean? you. I'm digesting about, you. Yeah. So, so in that regard, I could dig it, but I wasn't moved to the point of like, I mean, I kept, you know, I listened to it today before we got on the air, and I kept trying to wait. You know, okay, all right, when is it going to hit me? When is it going to hit me? All right. Uh, okay. You know, I mean, it was almost like you've been hearing about this cat. You know, you got to watch so-and-so. You got to watch so-and-so play. You got to watch this kid in high school. He's going to be blowing up the NBA next year. And so when you go watch him play or you see him on TV, you know, for me it was O.J. Mayo. I'm like, okay, he's seeing real, but all this hype. But when I watch LeBron, ooh, wow. You know, I mean, okay, that's the real mm-hmm. deal. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know. And so it was more L.J. Mayo for me. Um, okay. It was nice, best player on the court, but eh, okay. What I do like is the discussion that it's that it's got, that it's uh, right, prompted. right. And like you said, it it seemed to wake up cats. That's the part yeah. I like. It's, it's different, right? You know, my man came at it a little bit different than everybody else, and. You know, I mean, my man said that it's about winning. <laughs> I'm trying to win. Exactly. And it, exactly. It, it is a zero-sum game. You know, I win, you guys lose, step it up. That's the part of it I like. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he it, it was kind of a – he made the statement, only one man can sit on the throne. We all can't sit up here. And, again, I, you know, and, you know, I was in a barbershop last week. Shout out to my brother JJ. He got married, so I had my son in there. You know, I don't need JJ. to shape up anymore. I don't need to shape up anymore, but I had my my son in there in the barbershop. <laughs> and of course, it came up, and we started rapping about it. You know, we started talking about it and going back and forth. And a lot of a couple of cats had the same perspective you had that it 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 didn't it didn't hit them the way that they thought it would, um, given all our hype. And I can respect that. You know what I mean? All I can say is that for me, what got me was the fact that it was like, it was one of those moments where it was like, about time. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. It's about time, man. It's about time somebody said that, man, because as somebody who enjoys that element of it, uh, of, of MC and the competitiveness that drives it, you know that's going to elevate everybody. 
And so for me, it was a, it was it was a moment of like, okay, finally somebody has said what I've been thinking in my head. Like, why are y'all so buddy buddy? You know. And then as I reflected on it more, I started thinking like, you know, what if this becomes something that catches on culturally? What if it becomes a new cultural impulse or a return to a cultural impulse where it's about we can be boys, but I'm outwardly trying to get at you. I'm outwardly trying to get at you. You know, instead of Darren Williams and, and and Chris Paul having dinner the night before the game, that's all done now. <laughs> now it's, you know what, you coming to L.A., I wish you luck, but tonight ain't no dinner. We're not eating together. We're not boys. I catch you when you're not in my city. You know what I mean? Can we get back to that? You know, because we all know some of these guys are, are, are true competitors. But, again, would, would kind of taking away that friendship piece really elevate guys? Where it's like, yo, next time I – Kevin Durant's like, next time I come to Miami, I'm dropping 50. I don't care. Right. I don't care if we win or lose, I'm dropping 50 on LeBron. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just to be able to say, dog, I, I murdered you. You know, I killed you. <laughs> you, you. You can't say nothing to me. I don't care. I, I just dropped 50 on you. You know what I mean? Does that start to kind of permeate into, because we all know hip-hop, and a lot of athletes borrow their machismo, their, their their tough guy exterior, that, that motivation, that edge from, you know, whether it's listening to hip-hop before the games, whether it's, you know, kind of taking on a, a certain persona before you play. You know, I did it. You know what I mean? I, I, I try to get myself into a zone of a cat, you know, let that competitive spirit come out. And for me, that was listening to hip-hop and listening to a certain kind of hip-hop. A hip-hop that was yeah. aggressive, that was rugged, that kind of got you going before a game. And, you know, when cats, you know, start to get into that mindset of, you know, yeah, we can be cool. You know, I can respect you. You know, we could even take pictures together and, and be on the same Olympic team and all of that. But at the end of the day, I'm coming for, there's only one There's only one greatest of all time. You know what I mean? Right. Only one cat can sit on the throne and, you know, I'm hoping it's me. You know, and so he 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 kind of he kind of went that went that way with cats, and so you know, for me, it, it, I'm being optimistic about it, being optimistic about it, and hoping that maybe that catches on, and maybe guys, maybe maybe it becomes some something a little bit different than what we've seen, where guys are really buddy buddy. They're still competing. I'm not gonna pretend like these guys are competing against each other, but you know, more guys are taking a rondo kind of approach where. Rondo isn't very friendly <laughs> with anybody, you know what I mean, or, or a Kobe kind of approach where cats respect Kobe, but I don't think a lot of cats in the league like Kobe. <laughs> right. But that's because Kobe's trying to kill everybody at all times, and Kobe thinks he's the greatest ever. And because he thinks he's the greatest ever, he thinks you're not as good as him. <laughs> it doesn't mean he thinks you suck. He just thinks you're not as good as him, and he's going to prove that. And so, you know, it, it, to me, to me, I'm, I'm hoping it brings that back. What do you think about that particular element of it? Do you think it has that potential? Um, and do you think that would actually add anything to the game or sports in general, not just basketball but other sports as well? Hmm. Uh, a bit. So... I think we've entered a a uh, a season and a spirit in an environment of collaboration. And LeBron, you know, Magic and and Larry and and MJ, 
have all said, yeah, I wouldn't have joined the, these other cats. I would have tried to do it on my own. Well, you didn't do it on your own. You know, Larry, you had the big three. Uh, Magic, you had, you know, one of the best players of the previous generation in Kareem. You know, so don't be so critical of LeBron. All right, I'm back. But, you know, I, I mean, I think that collaboration is what's up right now. And in the business world and sports, and it's it, – so, no, I don't think it will. But at the same time, there's something about sports where we believe that competition is pure. And when cats get out on the court – Friendships go in the backseat. And so it might look differently than what it did back in the 80s, you know, where cats didn't go out to dinner the night before or stay at so-and-so's house. That stuff is happening now. Uh, It might look a little bit different, but if cats are still going 100% on the court and they're fighting for it, I think we're okay with it. And so to me, what – this shake-up in the music game is simply saying step your game up. That That's the thing that I'm taking away from it. And, you know, I'll say it. Jay-Z stuff, man, when I look at Reasonable Doubt, when I look at, you know, the first three volumes, you know, when I look at the Black Album, I look at the Blueprint, yeah. it's a different Jay. It's a different Jay. It's a hungry Jay. It's a, you know, I'm not on no uh, alumni type of record making. You know, I'm not right. emeritus. You got that emeritus I'm, status. Yeah, I mean, I'm not an emeritus. I mean, like, hey, I'm making all-star teams, and I'm first-team NBA, and I'm on my grind right now. That's what those first albums look like. Now his last couple, they're good, they're quality, but it's a different type of hunger there. And I think what this cat is saying is step your game up. I need you to bring your A game because I'm bringing mine. And, um, you know, all these different, you know, rules and what's socially acceptable, what the norms are, that's out the window. I'm bringing it. So at the end of the day, this cat's got to back it up. So if it's a year from now and we're still talking about this is what he did and he hasn't done anything since, that's going to be a problem. Mhm. Yeah, and and you know, I I I like what you said about the spirit of collaboration because I think that's what makes it interesting is that he didn't write a song. This ain't his song. He's actually on somebody else's song. <laughs> so it's kind of one of those things like, yo, you know what I mean? I collaborate with you, but just know I'm gonna try to eat you. I'm going Eminem on Renegade on you. You know what I'm right. saying? Right, Renegade style. Yeah. You know, yeah, hey, I'm, I'm, you know, Eminem murdered you on your own tape. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's 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 kind of the perspective he came with. We could be cool, we could be buddies, but you're asking for a feature, it's gonna be a problem. <laughs> you, you know that going in. <laughs> I mean, so this guy's not gonna get invited to no parties. I mean, he's not gonna no, get invited no. to nobody album. He don't know how to act right now. He don't know how to act. So exactly. We'll exactly. Now I'm not gonna have you doing me like you did Big Sean. <laughs> right. Or if cat or if cats do if cats do invite him to be on an album. They know you better you better write your hardest verse. Yeah. <laughs> because if you're gonna be on a song with me, you know I'm gonna try to eat you up. <laughs> and so and, and again, that to me that elevates everything. So, you know, we'll see how that works out. We gotta move on though, with these last fifteen minutes of the show. 
used to the real sports guys, real sports guys dot com, RSG Renegade Radio. We are going to get into our NFL preview right now. Uh, we're going to uh, get into the NFC North. All right, the NFC North division. We're going to hit you off. That's Green Bay, Chicago, Detroit, Minnesota. We're going to do the same format we had when we broke down the NFC East. We have four kind of questions or, or perspectives to kind of dig into, um, and we're going to hit you off with them real quick. So the first is order of finish. PA, what's your order of finish in the NFC North? All right, so in finishing last place, I have the Packers finishing last place in the division. Ooh, ooh, okay, okay. The Vikings I have coming in third place. The Lions in second place. And the Bears, the Chicago Bears, the Monsters of the Midway. I have won this division. Wow. Now that that that's huge. That's bold. Yeah. That, that's that, that takes some onion. Right. <laughs> it takes some onion. <laughs> so uh, just give me a brief a brief insight into the logic behind that. Well, why Green Bay last? That's what's surprising. Green Bay last. Chicago first. How to plant onions? <laughs> As you would say, onion. Oh. So yeah, man. I you know just thought I'd work in the onion segment there, right? So I think the pack right now the Packers are. I think they're trying to figure out how to make stuff happen, and the loss of Greg Jennings I think will be huge because. When you look at Jennings, people had a hard time trying to figure out, well, who was the most important receiver out of that bunch? You know, like who was the most – like who was Rodgers' most important weapon? If you hold people's feet to the fire, they would have said Jennings, probably. But it wasn't like it was a slam dunk, like, okay, Brandon Marshall was a – like is the most important receiver for the Bears. It wasn't slam dunk like that, but I think losing Rock, losing Jennings is going to expose um, how average Nelson is, Cobb is, uh, and whoever else they're going to try to plug in there. You know, now the one wild card is Finley. If Finley can bring them what he brought them two, three years ago, then okay. He can now be that special player in the passing game. I think losing Jennings, Jennings, Jennings was kind of the glue that kept everything together um, in terms of keeping the defense honest, man. And I think without him, we're like we're really going to see. Um, I think we're going to see this offense not struggle, but not be as dominant as we've seen them in the past. Um, I'm not impressed with their defense. And I think that the Lions and Vikings are going to get a lot better this year. I mean, the Vikings made the playoffs last year, and I think they're going to even be, be even more improved. Uh, with that being said, I think the Bears are the only team that makes the playoffs in this division. Hmm. Okay. Okay. All sound logic. Um, I, I have questions about the Packers, 
but my questions lie more in the offensive line. I'll get into those in a moment. As I go through my order of finish, I have finishing first the Detroit Lions. Um, I think the Lions have kind of turned the corner a little bit. Last year was a down year. I expect them to pick it up. I think they'll finish first in this division. I think it won't be a 13-3 first. I think it will be a 10-6 or 11-5 kind of first place finish. Um, I have Chicago second. Uh, Green Bay third, Minnesota last. Uh, the reason I have Green Bay third is because I'm worried about their offensive line. I still kind of see them winning nine to ten games, but losing Balaga, having to shift pieces around on the offensive line again, I just worry about Rodgers actually being able to make it through the season. Yeah. Forget the issues with the receiving core. I don't know if he'll make it all the way through. He's been lucky. I mean, lucky. As much as he's gotten hit his first couple of years, I just don't think he'll be able to survive another season to get hit, hit a ton. I like Detroit. Um, defensively, I think their front seven, um, and we'll get into this in a little bit, particularly their front four, is dangerous. I mean, nasty dangerous um, on defense. Offensively, we know what they can do. Um, I expect another big year from Megatron. They have two running backs who I think, if both can stay healthy, they get, that's going to provide them some balance and some versatility. When you talk about adding a Reggie Bush, but then having a Mikel LaShore who can bang between the tackles, you can, you know, put them both back there and split out Reggie. And now, you you know, when you line up Reggie, Reggie Bush next to Megatron, that's a problem. Yeah. You know what I mean? That, that, that's an issue. Um, so, and, and Stafford's going to continue to grow. So, I like what Detroit has offensively and defensively. Chicago, I think, is going to take some steps and it's going to be improved. Defensively, they have to find a new heart. You know, they got a heart transplant. They're in the same place Baltimore is. Erlacher has held down the middle linebacker position for that franchise for the last 12 years. Uh, they have to reestablish. That, that's a big hole to fill on defense. Um, I think offensively, they're going to look a lot better this year. So that's how I have that playing out with order of finish. Uh, division MVP. Um I'm going with Sue. <laughs> I'm going with Dominic and Sue as my division MVP again. I, I'm I, I really like Detroit's front four. Um, I think he, with what he has around him, you either have to double him and let somebody else kill you, or you got to single him up and just get eaten alive by 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 Dominican. So uh, I like I like Dominic and Sue as an MVP in this division. Your MVP. Brandon Marshall or Jay Cutler, I think both of them will have monster years. Both of them will be pro bowlers. And uh, I think the emergence of more weapons on the offensive end is going to benefit Marshall to have even a larger year. I mean, the guy had 1,500 yards last year, almost 120 receptions. I think he has uh, numbers around that but his touchdown numbers are going to go up much higher. Okay, okay. Um, all right, moving on to number three, best single unit in the division. Who do you have as the best single unit in this division? The best single unit for me is the skilled offensive players for the Detroit Lions. Uh, Pettigrew is going to have a great year, I believe. Um, Megatron is Megatron. Keep it really brief there. Um, and, I mean, you touched on it earlier. Bringing Reg- Reggie Bush to the, into the picture, 
is going to make this team offensively be a lot more balanced. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, it's going to keep teams honest, man. Last year, now, I had Megatron in my fantasy league. Um, I had a couple of fantasy leagues, and I won most of them. Um, <laughs> but Megatron, uh, I didn't draft Megatron. I uh, traded Megatron for... I traded Andre Johnson, Chris Johnson, and Vincent Jackson for Megatron midseason, and that's what, you know, put me, like, on an eight or nine game running streak. And we – True. That was true. where they were going. Everybody knew where they were going. They were going to Megatron, and you couldn't stop it. You could not stop nope. it. it. I mean, it was so fun watching it. And so – He was now, Jerry Rice on Tecmo Bowl. He was Jerry yeah, Rice on Tecmo Bowl. You know, I think about the Lions, uh, I think it was two seasons ago, when when they had uh, a job at best, and they started off, mm-hmm. I think it was 5-1, and 6-1, and one, and, I mean, they just looked awesome. And then best, you know, had the concussion issues and really has never bounced back. Um, you put a dynamic running back in the backfield, man, and, you know, I've got a lot of – Reggie Bush had a good year last year. I think if he can bring that to Detroit, watch out. Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree. Um, I like I like their I like Detroit's skill position. I like their front five, front four even more. Um, you know, when you talk about Ansa, who you know I had some reservations about, but watching this kid play in the preseason, he's a playmaker. Um, then you got Sue, you got Nick Fairley. Um, and then you got Jones at the other defensive end. This is going to be a squad that's going to be tough to deal with. Um, you also have Israel uh, Adonijah, who was a good, good defensive end for the Bears when he was there. Um, the questions for this front for this front four are what they have behind it. Um, if some guys can step up and give them, be able to have them have a rotation, that's going to make it even stronger. So if they get one or two guys, particularly at the tackle position, to step up and give them the ability to rotate and keep Sue and fairly fresh, wow. Mm-hmm. This defensive yeah. front is going to be tough to deal with. So yeah. um, I'm I'm really liking that front four for the Lions. Now, getting into the last question, um, possible contenders, if any, from this division. I'll go first. Um, I don't really see a clear-cut contender, um, but I will say if the Lions do what I think they'll do, they make the playoffs. Um, whether at, on the road or at home, they have that Giants kind of feel to them where they can provide, they can uh, create that kind of a pass rush. That can be a problem for anybody regardless of what their seed is. Um, so even if they come in as a three or a four, um, I can see them causing problems. Um, I'm not at a point where I would I would say that they're a contender contender where I think they'll be in the mix. Um, but I could, I wouldn't be surprised if they got if they pushed themselves into that conversation or they were a lower seed that made a run during the playoffs. So the Lions are the team that I think has a good chance of making some noise, but I don't really see them as a contender. What do you say, PhD? I don't see any contenders coming out of this division. As I mentioned last week, I see three playoff teams coming from the NFC, NFC East, so that really doesn't leave. Um any other, you know, folks other than the uh, division winners. So, um, and, and I just don't see enough completeness 
uh, in terms of alliance, putting it together. And, and trust me, I'd love to see the Hawaii, uh, the, the Hawaiian blue do their thing. I picked them to win a division last year, a little bit of a homer um, pick. But uh, And the Bears, I just can't trust them. I, I can't trust them <laughs> in the playoffs. <laughs> I I think the Bears will have an outstanding regular season, win 10 to 12 games, but in the playoffs, I can't trust them. Yeah, we all have those teams that we just don't trust. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, we're going to finish this out with the Dogs of the Week. Dogs of the Week is brought to you by Resistance Digital, Resistance Digital Solutions. Uh, make sure you hit them up at resistancedigitalsolutions.com. Get all your digital needs met at a low, reasonable price. Uh, they hook us up all the time uh, with very, very great equipment at a low rate. So make sure you check out the buzz at Resistance Dog of the Week. PhD, who you got? I'm going with A-Rod, man. <laughs> that whole Boston Red Sox game from a couple of days ago, I believe it was Sunday night. Um... <laughs> Joe Girardi, man. He, <laughs> Joe had a lot of stress that he let out on that uh, umpire. A lot of pent up stuff. But but A Rod, <laughs> I mean, Dempster threw at A Rod not once, not twice. I mean, how much more blatant can you be? I'm glad Major League Baseball suspended him, although he won't miss a start. Um, so, A-Rod, he did his thing in Boston, man. Hit a home run. Uh, and, again, he's playing pretty well. Excellent, excellent. I'm going off the board with my dog of the week. Uh, my younger brother, J.J. Jerome, dog of the week. Got married this past weekend. Uh, got to got to celebrate, have a great time, brought the family together. It was wonderful. Awesome. So, that's my dog of the week, my brother. Hats off to him. Joining the fraternity, joining the ranks of the married. Um, I wish him nothing but the best and all the goodness in the world. So that's this edition of the Renegade. We'll catch you next week, same time, same place. Till then, peace.
With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio.